where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. Amen, amen. Well, um, I'm afraid there might be some videos out there or there might be some pictures out there of uh, how much we threw your kids on inner tubes and they might have or might have not ridden with me on a jet ski. Um, And so uh, just know that we had a lot of fun and uh, they are all safe. Uh, They should sleep for a week. Um, and so, uh, anyway, it was, it was a really cool experience, a really awesome opportunity to hang out with our teenagers this week. Uh, for you that don't know this, uh, I and Beth had the privilege for about 20 years to do student ministry. And then, uh, people think that I like moved up or something. Um, to be honest with you, I was completely content with being a student pastor my whole life. Uh, to be honest with you, I actually relate to students, I think, a little bit better than I do adults, because when you have to relate to adults, it means you have to to, to adult, okay? Like, you have to be mature. I'll never forget um, when it was pretty obvious that God was calling us to plant a church, uh, a pretty prominent person in our community, a lawyer in our community by the name of Swayze Alford, uh, asked me to go to lunch with him. And so when we went to lunch, we sat down, and Swayze said, well, you know, Fish, you, you, you've got to change and I said, do what, Swayze? He said, like, you can't be so loud anymore. And, like, when you're at ball games, you can't holler at the umpires or referees anymore. And, you know, you can't, you, you know, you're a pastor now. You have to act different. And I said, well, undoubtedly, I don't need to be a pastor because I am who I am. And this week, I just had an opportunity to kind of be in my wheelhouse and to be around students. And, uh, man, it was just so much fun and just such an amazing experience. Um, and uh, I love teenagers, and, and a little selfishly, I have two myself, and so it was fun. Uh, for, for Sean, he had the same privilege. He has two himself, and so uh, it was just fun to get to be around our kids and to hang out with them and uh, just to see their desire. Hear me, church. Their desire to know Jesus and their desire to ask the tough questions. We had a panel yesterday morning, and if you could have heard some of the questions that they asked, Uh, It was just so good because they want to know the truth. And uh, I believe if I've ever been reminded about why there's a need to share our faith, it was because of the simple fact we at least have a generation of teenagers that are absolutely hungry for the gospel. And there are some of them that are on the verge of giving their life to Christ right now but bless their hearts, they just don't know what that looks like. And so I am in great prayer today, and I ask you to be in prayer with us that God's will would be done. Amen? And this morning, as we kind of wrap up the wheel, okay, uh, we're going to do an overview in just a minute, but if you are here today, maybe because of baptism, or maybe you're visiting or checking us out for the first time, for the summer, We have looked at this idea of practical ways of applying our faith to our life. 
And so um, Navigators is a ministry that has been around for a long, long time. Um, and uh, uh, Dawson Trotman uh, created this wheel. And uh, Haley, I don't know if we have that, but if we could throw that up there this morning, that would be awesome so that they could see a visual. Uh, but we have this wheel, um, and there it is. Um, it's Navigators Discipleship, Discipleship Tool, excuse me, called the Obedient Christian in Action. Um, and if I almost doze off this morning, know that I was a roommate with three seventh graders, okay, um, and, uh, and I survived, okay, um, and they did too. But, but man, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep this week, and um, I got home this morning at about 12.30, and then we had to come up here and fill this thing up at about 6.30. And so anyway, uh, I might be a little off, but I promise you I'll make my point. Just stay with me. But this is the Navigator's Discipleship Tool called An Obedient Christian in Action. And if you look at the wheel, Christ is in the center, and then there is four spokes, um, the word, prayer, fellowship, and witnessing. And just as a way of review this morning, um, what we did was, is we have walked through this over the last six or seven weeks. And what we have tried to do is to help you and to help us understand that there is a way that things ought to operate. Amen? Uh, Beth, uh, my wife, is just such an amazing artistic mind and that kind of thing. And she says, I think you ought to bring a tire up there and roll it across the stage. And I'm like, I think that would be an awesome illustration. I said, but Beth, we are going to camp this week, and then we're going to be there the whole time, and then we're coming back Saturday night, be back after midnight. When am I going to have time to get a tire? Well, Fish, I'm just telling you, I think it would be a great illustration. So if you don't mind, uh, teachers, we're about to start school this week. Put on your thinking caps, okay? And just imagine a tire with nothing in it is rolling across this stage. Okay, did you see it? Did, did you see it? I mean, it just went through here, and it got here, and hook, it, it's about to hit you, buddy, so it just rolled off the stage. But here's the deal. A wheel will actually roll, okay? But it was not designed to roll without a rim inside of it. And I'm convinced this morning that some of us in this place, and look, can I just be transparent? I'm sometimes guilty of the same thing. I'm rolling through life, but there's nothing inside my will. I'm doing motions, I'm talking talks, I'm walking walks, but my actions are not following up my words. So I'm literally a wheel that is rolling across the stage, but I don't have a rim inside. And then she said, well, baby, if you would get a bicycle rim and you would bring it on stage, you could show them how the spokes work on a bicycle rim. I so badly wanted to say this. Please don't tell her. She's leading our next generation kids, our toddlers, our, our preschoolers. And uh, when Miss Ada got dropped off just a few minutes ago, I promise you, I think there were 13 around her neck. Okay, so I don't want her putting her hands around my neck because I said this. But I said, Beth, we're in the South. I think most people know what a bicycle rim looks like. But she said, Fish, they need to see the spokes. They need to see the illustration. But that's her artistic mind. And a couple of weeks ago, some of you were here, and we couldn't get this up on the screen, and I was having to do this circle. Y'all remember this? And I was having to do this circle, and, and for the next week, I talked with my hands. I don't know if you know this or not. Preachers cannot talk without using their hands, and you can't, we can't talk without being loud. True story, we were getting on an elevator yesterday, and there might have been somebody's kid that I'm looking at this morning who was on the elevator, and they were pushing the ringing bell, Okay. And they were laughing their heads off about it. And they didn't think anybody heard them. 
And, and they would go from one floor, and I think there was five floors. They would go from one to five, and they'd go back down, and they'd hit the bell, and they wouldn't stop at our floor on purpose and that kind of thing. And there are people trying to get on, okay, that aren't with us. And at this point, these kids don't realize it, but when the door opens up, this one man, and I'll be transparent with you, had a cold beer in his hand, he was sitting on his cooler, and he said, I got a feeling the kids that are about to step off that elevator, they're about to meet the wrath of God, aren't they? I said, yes, sir, and if they're smart, they'll get off on the next floor. And about that time, a group of kids came around the stairs, and they said, all I can, he said, y'all need to go the other way. <laughs> and it wasn't them. And then the elevator opened, and it was three teenage boys, and they looked at me, and they said, we didn't do anything. I said, did I ask anything? But we didn't do anything. I said, y'all are guilty, guilty, guilty. We're sorry, Mr. Fish. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. I have no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> I told you that I got home at 1230. I told you that I didn't get very much sleep, okay? But the bottom line is, is that there is a wheel and there are spokes. And if you chase a squirrel when you've had like four hours of sleep, it will not make a point. So you just own it and move on. So just thank you for allowing me to own that this morning. Thank you so much. I think it was because I saw one of their parents and I thought to, my, I thought to myself, I wonder what that conversation is going to be like. And now what's crazy is like there are teenagers' parents all over this room. They're going, is it my kid? Is it my kid? Is it my kid? We'll just see if they confess them to you. So back to the wheel. <laughs> the tire rode across the stage with no rim in it. The bicycle rim showing you the spokes. But the point is, is that the creator of the wheel created it so that it would operate in the way that it was created. Did you just hear that? The wheel was created to operate in the way that it was created, Amen. not any other way. I can guarantee you this, if a wheel only has two spokes, is it going to work? But if a wheel has the right number of spokes, it will operate the way it's supposed to operate because that's the way it was created. Church, can I tell you something? We were created to operate in a certain way. And if we try to do it any other way, it does not work. So as we look at this wheel this morning, just as a way of review, the center, the hub is Christ. You see it? Our life has to be centered on Jesus. Okay? And the first spoke is a vertical spoke. It is the Word of God. Remember Joshua, when we looked at Joshua 1, you shall meditate on the Word day and night. I think if we're going to truly operate the way God wants us to operate, our life has to be built on the rock of Jesus Christ. But if the Word is the way God speaks to us, church, what did we find out about the other vertical spoke in prayer? Prayer is how we what? Speak to God. So you have to have the Word. You have to have prayer. But remember, the hub has to be Christ. And then there's fellowship. And Sean, I'm not just picking on you this morning, uh, but I'm, I kid you not, I think that was probably one of the best teachings that he's done in a long, long time. And I'm not saying that they're not all good, but like it's probably one that God used the most in my life. Because man, when I think about fellowship, like I didn't grow up in church, but usually when I went to church, there were two things involved, cookies and Kool-Aid. 
Okay, meaning every family on the block took me to church when vacation Bible school was going on because they thought if we could get that kid saved, like the whole world would change. Okay, and then as I got older, I, I, I would go to church and guess what would happen? There would always be a fellowship is what we called it. And usually what happened? Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, sweet tea, unsweet tea. And we would always look at it and go, why did you waste that whole gallon of that unsweet stuff? But there was always food involved. So when I thought about fellowship, and you know exactly what I'm talking about, church, we've always thought that fellowship involved people and food. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. We've always taught that. But we realize, and Sean was, did such an amazing job and a beautiful job of reminding us that we got to have fellowship with God first before we can have fellowship with anybody else. And I'm going to be honest with you, as we talk about the will being created to operate in the way that which it was created, and as we talk about ourselves this morning, being able to operate the way we were created, the reason we don't roll the way we're supposed to roll is because we are not rolling the way we were created. And so we got to have fellowship with the Father, we got to have fellowship with the Son, and we got to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, after you have fellowship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, you will have fellowship with other people. And church, I am convinced this morning that we as a church have done a horrible job of judging other people about doing life with other people. Doing life with other people is fellowship. And I talked about it last week about going to the bar, the library, to have a conversation with a man about Jesus, and some of y'all still haven't recovered. My preacher went to the library, and I'm not talking about the one where there are books. He went to the bar. Church, if there's somebody in the bar that needs Jesus, I'm going. If there's somebody in the sewage that needs Jesus, I'm going. If there's somebody at the dump that needs Jesus, I'm going. Why? Because we were created, hear me church, to operate in a certain way. And if we don't operate in the way we were created, then things don't go the way God created them to go. And so we have the word, we have prayer, we have fellowship, and then we have witnessing. Which is another word for evangelism or another word of sharing our faith. And so I need to ask for forgiveness because it's my fault. I told Beth at 12 o'clock last night when we're coming over the Pontotoc County line, hey, Beth, I need some uh, graphics for tomorrow. And she looked at me and she said, I love you, but it ain't happening. Because this morning, what the goal was is to give you practical ways to literally share your faith. And so you thought it was funny watching me do the wheel? Wait till I show you how to do a bridge without graphics, okay? I think too often we make sharing our faith complicated. Let me tell you what you don't do. Are you a Christian? You don't ask somebody if they're a Christian especially in the South. You don't ask somebody if they're a believer in the South. You know why? Because what are you going to get as an answer? You, you can respond. What are you going to get as an answer? Yes. Because everybody in the South is Christians. Because they think if they go to church or if they've been to church one time, what are they? Christians. Or now we've gotten technical and we call ourselves believers and they go, yeah, I'm a believer. Look, church, we all believe in something. 
We all believe in something. But just because you believe in something doesn't make you a believer in Jesus. I always love this fact when I say, when I have a conversation with somebody about their faith. I said, so tell me a little bit about your faith. My parents are believers. Man, that's great for them. Do you know that if you don't become a believer or put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to hell? And they're like, what? Vody Balkum, one of my favorite communicators, and I'm not saying that I agree with everything that he says, but can I share something with you? You don't agree with everything I say, and I don't agree with everything that you say, but when they say good stuff, repeat it. Amen? Vody said this, if you believe that you can be a Christian just because your parents are a Christian, he said, go stand in your garage at night, tonight, sit there until in the morning when the sun comes up and hum, and you might be a Porsche when you wake up. But isn't it amazing that we're hanging on the shirt tails of other people thinking that we're going to get into, into heaven because of them? And church, I'm about to say something, and you're going to think it's arrogant and prideful, and I'm not trying to be arrogant and prideful. I am very, very scared that Sean and I and other people in leadership here, your relationship with Jesus is connected to that person and still, instead of this person. Your faith is dependent on what I say or what he says or what somebody else says. And your relationship with Jesus cannot be dependent on us. It has to be dependent on who? Christ Jesus. Amen. So when you're having a conversation with somebody, and this is a great conversation to have, amen, with someone that you don't think that knows Christ, ask him a question like this. Hey, if you were to die, do you have any idea where you would spend eternity? Why is that different than asking them if they're a Christian or a believer? Because now you've asked them a question that they actually have to think about, where am I going to spend eternity? Well, how do we get to that conversation? How do we even get to that? Well, there are what we like to call cold opportunities. I like to call them hot opportunities, but some people call them cold because we're not prepared. We just go into it. I like to call them hot because it gets really exciting really quickly. Some of you do this, and, and this is awesome, but when you're about to eat a meal and you're actually sitting at a restaurant and somebody is serving you, and I don't know if you know this or not, but if we don't pray any other time, probably be a good idea to pray over our food, right? And thank God that he provided that for us. And if you don't do that, here's a really good excuse to do that. Because what you're doing is, is you're allowing other people to see you pray. But you know the reason I don't think that we pray in public is because we live a different way in public. And we're afraid if we pray in public, then people are going to expect us to live different in public. Did that hurt? It hurt me. Because see... You don't have the professional Christian title connected to your name like I do. What do you do for a living? Really? You got to ask me that? No, really. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. And everything changes. Like everybody acts totally different. I don't have a disease just because I said I'm a pastor. True story, I'm getting a jet ski, jet ski filled up on Friday at the marina, and this young man, college student, uh, goes to school in Starfall. I was congratulating them on a, uh, a World Series championship win and that kind of thing, and I said, man, that's got to be fun. He said, man, greatest days of my life. And, you know, he's putting gas in the, 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 the what, did, what was I on? A jet ski, thank you. And he's putting gas on the jet, I told you it was hard. He put gas in the jet ski and he's sitting there talking. He's talking about his frat life and his life that he's going to go hang out with these girls in a few minutes on the beach after he gets off work. And I mean, he's just telling me what he's about to do. And he goes, hey man, what you doing up here? <laughs> I 
I said, man, I'm hanging out with some young people. He said, oh, man, that's awesome. How old are you, dude? <laughs> I said, I'm 44. He said, man, that's cool. He said, uh, you ever ridden a jet ski before? And I'm thinking, I just drove it, uh, like I rode it up here to get gas. He goes, no, 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 I'm saying, like, have you ever ridden it before? I said, yeah. And so then he goes, what do you do for a living? And I go, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, man. And I don't know if he said, oh, man, because of the simple fact that he had just confessed to me all the sins that he was about to do. <laughs> or if he was going, oh, man, I'm sorry, bro. You couldn't be anything else in life. Like, you didn't want to be like a truck driver, a chef, a teacher, a coach. You had to go be a preacher. But when you tell people that you're a pastor, people freak out. They start talking different. They start looking at you different. Look, I know, I told our students this this week, I, we were talking about identity. You know there's two things on your body that never quits growing? Your stomach is not one of them, okay, by the way, just letting you know. It's your nose and your ears, okay? And I was talking about how they always take their phone, and I didn't realize that the camera, you could actually turn it towards yourself, and you could look at yourself, and some of you women know exactly what I'm talking about, and if you're a dude that does this, you need to come down at the altar right now and let's start praying. But they'll turn it on. I just saw a wife elbow her husband. Dude, I am praying for you. And here's what's crazy. You think it's over there, but it's actually over here somewhere. But they'll take their camera in there and go, oh, man. Look, I don't care how much you touch your face. It ain't changing. But when I did that one time, I looked at my ears and I go, mm. Wow. So they never quit growing. God, please don't let me be 80. Because if I do, they're going to be like right here. And then I looked at my nose and I was like, oh my goodness, God, that doesn't quit growing either. Man, I'm going to be Pinocchio by the time I'm 50. But the point that I'm making is, is that we are so concerned with our identity that we forget that our identity is not in this, but in Christ. And we get apologetic that we're believers or Christians. Why? Because if we're not living an obedient life and we're not spending time in the Word and we're not spending time in prayer and we're not spending time in fellowship and we're not attempting to share our faith with someone else, it does not operate. It does not roll. It does not go the way it was created to go. And that is a problem. And so when you engage people... When you pray for your lunch or you pray for your meal, you could simply look at your server and say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? And you're like, man, I can't do that. Uh, Ma'am, is there anything we can pray for you about? Was that hard? They're bringing you food. They're, they're, they're serving you. They're, they're, they're trying to take care of you. Like, they're doing all these things. And when you ask them, can you pray for them? Can I share something with you? I've never had a person say no. I've had people say, I'm good. I don't need anything to pray. I don't need you to pray for me anything. But I don't mind if you pray. Because there is an emotional connection that happens when you ask somebody, can you pray for them? And it doesn't even have to be over a meal. It might be a coworker. If you're concerned about their faith, hey man, I just, man, God's, God's kind of been teaching me a lot about prayer. Is there anything that I can be praying for you and your wife about? Or you and your kids about? Or you and your family about? When you engage that person with that question, you know what happens? Walls begin to fall down. 
And then when you ask them, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm kind of going through this at church right now. We're kind of talking about sharing our faith. Hey, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? And there's only a couple of possible answers. Works is usually the first one that people will give you. Man, I feel like you got to be a good person. Good luck with that. Like, yeah, I, I feel like if you're a good person and you pray and you treat people the way you want to be treated, I think you can get into heaven. You know the problem with that, church? That's a works answer. It depends on what you and I do that gets us into heaven. Then there are those that, I don't know. Ching, like, glad you asked. And then there's the faith answer. Man, I believe you have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and confess Christ as Lord. That's, that's the only way. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But as you begin to ask those questions and you begin to engage those people, you know what happens? Conversations begin to happen. And as your life is centered on Christ and you've spent time in God's Word, you've spent time in prayer, you've spent time in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and other believers, and now you have an opportunity to witness because your fellowship doesn't just involve Christians' church, it also involves lost people. And if you were here last week, you remember what I said? Many people that come, come to know Christ, it only takes them about three years where they have eliminated every believer. Hear me, church. Every non-believer from their life. It takes a believer three years to eliminate every non-believer from their life. Anybody see a problem with that? In case you don't, that's a problem. We need to hang out with lost people. And you go, but Fish, I don't know how to witness to people. So here's the real deal. If you take notes, great. If not, just watch this. It's called the bridge illustration. Okay? And we're going to walk through some scripture. Okay? And the first verse we're going to look at this morning, and we looked at it last week, and I'm going to land the ship pretty quickly. So i got to talk fast. you got to listen quickly. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the, also to the Greek. Here's what I want us to see. If we're not ashamed of the gospel, then what will we do, church? We'll share the gospel. So I walked through this with Sawyer just last week, okay, as a conversation about her decision to follow Christ, and it's called the bridge, okay? And so in the beginning, God created, okay? And when God created, what did he say? It was good, but church, can I tell you something? When he created man, you know what he said? It is very good. Ladies, he said the same thing about you. Don't start throwing anything at me. And I am convinced that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Because you're very good. God didn't create junk. However, it doesn't take us long to get to Genesis chapter 3, and it goes all over the place. God puts them in the garden. He gives them a job to do. And he says, you can do anything and everything, but you can't do this one thing. And church, what is it that we always want to do? The one thing that we're not supposed to do. And what's the one thing that we want to have in life? The one thing we don't need. And so God puts them in the garden. He gives them work to do in Genesis chapter 3. And so then guess what happens? She sees it. She desires it. She wants it. And if you know women at all, if they see something desired or wanted, what's happening? They getting it. Baby, you don't need that. I want it. Baby, you don't need that. It's going to make me prettier. You don't need that, baby. You're beautiful enough. But, but it's going to make me smarter. 
quit the jokes, okay? And all of a sudden, it's like, I got to have, I got to have, I got to have. And so what does she do? She goes and takes it because it was offered, and then she offers it to him, and he takes it as well, and sin enters the world. So now, really cool drama, thank goodness, because I'm an idiot, and I asked my wife about graphics at 12 o'clock at night. If you're not ashamed of the gospel, you'll do this. So now God is over here, okay? So little cliff, all right? Draw it on there, just a little cliff. And then all the way over here, and you don't have to have this big a sheet of paper, okay? You can do it on a sheet of paper like this. And then you draw this other cliff, and you're there. And whoever you're talking to. So like if I'm talking to Huck, I'm going to write Huck's name on there. If Sean's there, I'm going to write Sean's name on there. So Huck, Sean, and I are over here. And who's over there, y'all? Say it with me. Okay? And now there's this separation. And you know what the separation is? It's called sin. So you write the cliff down, and you put God over here. You write the cliff down, you put you over here, and you put a big honking gap called sin. So women, we are so focused on clothes, and all of a sudden when I say gap, you're like, hey, that's where I buy my jeans at. That's not the gap I'm talking about. There's a big gap separating you and God, and it's called sin. Why have we sinned? Because we want what we don't need. We desire what we don't need. So sin enters the world, and now we're separated. Do you see it? What separates us from God? Say it. Okay? So now you're over here, and God's over here, and we're separated by sin. Now walk with me through these verses of Scripture. Romans 3.23. And, and, and here's a good idea. Have a Bible with you or pull it up on your phone and show them as this is Scripture. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And as you're writing down this, okay, and you're talking about God's over here and we're over there, and what separates us? Okay? And if that sin separates us, what does Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned. So here's what you do, Christian. You don't go, hey, you're a loser and you're going to hell. You go, hey, guess what? We're all sinners. Every last one of us. Everybody is separated from God. Why? Because of what, church? Sin. And so there's this huge gap, but then look at Romans 5.8. We'll put this on our social media later today in case you miss it. Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you look at them and you go, hey, look, there's this cliff and God's over here. And then there's this other cliff and you and I are over here. And there's this thing in the middle called this gap and there's sin. But here's what's cool. Look at this verse. But God showed his love for us that while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what do you draw in the gap? Because how can we get to God because of our sin problem? Ooh, look at that. I don't know who you are, Haley, but you go, girl. Internet's a beautiful thing. So Christ becomes the bridge. Christ becomes the bridge. Keep going with me. Man, you can go ahead and make your way back up. Maybe if you come up, I'll talk faster. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin of death, but the free gift of God is eternal life to Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when they say, when you say... Where are you going to spend eternity? Or what do you feel like it takes for a person to go to heaven? And they don't answer with a faith answer. You're able to say, hey, look, sin is the problem. We're separated from God. God is now over here and we're over here. And we got a gap problem. But praise God that while we, well, the wages of sin of death, but the free gift. Hey, this is a good thing. You ain't even got to pay for it. It's already been paid. You're not saved on credit anymore. You're saved on debit. The money is in your account. And Christ becomes your bridge. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Keep going with me. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to this, church. For with the heart one believes and one is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, this is what I love about God. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. So here's the cool thing, church. It doesn't matter who you are. Every last one of us are over here on this cliff. And there is a big honking gap between us and God. Why? Because of sin. Because of sin. But praise God, there is a free gift that is available to you and to me. And his name is Jesus. And he becomes our bridge. And then look at Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at me, church, and we're done. I'll just have to finish up next week. There are people sitting in this room right now that when they look at their wheel of life, they go, man, it's wobbling. Matter of fact, it's not only wobbling. Man, my wagon's dragging. And I don't know why. Because your sin is separating you from God. And you keep trying to figure out how you're going to get from here to there by yourself and it'll never happen. But praise God that we got a sin problem. But God gave us a gift for that. And that gift is Jesus. Mom, Dad, forgive me. How old saw you? Ten. If a ten-year-old in the world we live in today can ring a bell and say, Mom and Dad, I don't want to be separated from God. then what's your excuse? Because you know what one of the questions our teenagers asked yesterday? If someone dies and they never hear the name of Jesus, where will they spend eternity? You know what the word says? Hail. And here's all I'm trying to tell you, and I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying you to I'm trying to help you understand that because of what Christ did for you and for me on the cross, and if you are a follower of Jesus and you are a Christian and you are a believer, then your life has a way that it should operate. Christ has got to be in the center. Your life has got to be built on the Word. you got to spend time daily, almost all day long praying. 
you got to have fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with other believers and non-believers, and you have to share your faith, which equals witnessing. If not, there will be a lot of people over here, and God will always be over there. But there's a free gift in Christ. And all you got to do is receive that gift. And if you're a believer, share that gift. Hey, we're about to celebrate communion. I don't know what better time to do it than right now. So I'm going to ask Peggy and Misty to make their way down. If you didn't get one of these, if you'll just raise your hand, they'll grab it for you. Hey, if you're watching online, go grab the crackers, the wine, the Gatorade, the grape juice, bread, get something. Because what Christ did for us on the cross, by his body being broken and his blood being shed, he became what, church? The bridge. And it is a free gift. You have to receive it. On that night before Jesus was portrayed, and if you don't know how this little thing works, there's just a little slim plastic film on top that you'll peel back. Not like I'm doing. Do it where it will actually work. There you go. You'll pull the bread out, and it's really a wafer. COVID, please go away so we can get back to true communion. The Word says on the night before he was betrayed, he looked at his disciples and said, he took the bread and he said, this is my body. And the Word says he lifted it up to heaven. He said, Lord, bless this. So, Lord, I ask you to bless these wafers. And may we be reminded, this is your body. Church, look at me. He then looked at them and he took and he broke it. He said, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. And on that night, before he was betrayed, he took the cup. He said, this represents the vine, but it also represents the new covenant. This is my blood which was shed for you. And the scripture says he lifted it up to heaven. So, Lord, I pray that as we lift up our pods this morning, even though that it's grape juice, that it's still a symbolism of your blood that was shed for us. And may we be reminded that you gave all for us. May we give all to you. Look at me, church. And the scripture says he looked at them and said, this is my blood which was shed for you. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you're like, man, y'all eating his body and drinking his blood. I don't know if I want any of that. It's a symbolism. It's no different than this symbolism. God gave us two ordinances as a church. Jesus gave us two ordinances. He gave us baptism and he gave us communion. But it's for believers. And so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And here's what God does not need this morning. He does not need me to save you because I can't. But you need him to save you. And if the Holy Spirit did any kind of stirring in your life this morning and you thought it was because you were hungry for breakfast or brunch or lunch or you've had this feeling and this drawing, do not deny that this morning because most likely you're over here and God's over there and you know what's separating you. Don't let pride get in the way of a free gift in Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. Show up, show out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... 
My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.